Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is November 21st. Today we are going to continue in the book of Jonah. Yesterday we talked a little bit about whether we should be taking Jonah as a truthful story that 100% happened, whether we should look at it as an allegory, or whether we should look at some of this wording as figurative language. What it really comes down to is that there are evidences for any way you want to look at this story. And so what really matters is the principles and the lessons that we can learn in this story. It was included as Holy Scripture for a reason, because there are beautiful lessons to learn here from Jonah. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about Jonah's calling to Nineveh. And I just kind of want to restate and explain again the idea of Nineveh and what this calling really meant for Jonah. Now, keep in mind, Jonah's not the first prophet to be called and to be told to preach repentance among wicked people, right? Prophets had been doing this. This was a normal thing. They were called to go to the wicked and to preach repentance to them. However, Jonah's call was extremely different. Jonah's call was different from any other prophet's calling at the time because he was being called to Nineveh, to the center of a extremely wicked Gentile nation, Whereas all the other prophets are being called to Israel, to Judah, to some type of believer. Even Obadiah that we talked about last week, he was called to the Edomites who were sons of Abraham. So they still had that connection to the covenant a little bit there. But the Ninevites were part of the Assyrian empire. They were the heart of the Assyrian empire and they were absolutely brutal. We compared it yesterday to the sons of Mosiah going to the Lamanites, and I think that that's a good comparison, but we need to times that. It can't be understated the torture and the brutality of the Ninevites. They were absolutely horrible, terrible, and terrifying people. And so yesterday we talked about this calling that came to Jonah and how different this calling was from other prophets. Now let's take a look at what Jonah does. Verse three, it says, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now it's interesting because it's saying he's going to Tarshish and it says that in his mind, he is fleeing from the presence of the Lord. We don't exactly know where Tarshish is. There are several different theories. Some people think that it was closer to Italy, but most people, most biblical scholars tend to believe that this was closer to Spain or maybe even on the Spanish peninsula. And as far as the world knew at this time, as far as Jonah would have known, this was as far away from Nineveh as he could have possibly gotten. And so when it says that he is fleeing from the presence of the Lord, literally he is just getting as far away from where the Lord called him as he can possibly think to go. But what I think that we should understand, and I think one key element that can really change what this story means for us, is understanding that Jonah wasn't running. He didn't flee to Tarshish because he was afraid. He wasn't scared of what the Ninevites would do to him. He wasn't scared of their brutality. He wasn't scared of them being awful people. Everything that we see for the rest of this story tells us that Jonah's actually a really brave person. We see that later as the story unfolds. As he gets on the ship, this massive 
storm is going to come and it's just throwing the boat all around the sea. And the sailors are scared that the boat is going to be broken in this massive storm. And it says that they're praying each man unto his God. That's important to recognize because he was not on a ship of Israelites. He wasn't on a ship of people like him. He was on a ship of people who believed in other gods. And so they figure out what's going on. They're trying to figure out who is causing this curse, if you will, to come upon the boat and to come upon the winds and the waters. And they find Jonah and he's totally asleep. Now, that's an important detail because as we'll see as the book of Jonah plays out, Jonah actually acts as a beautiful type of the Savior. There are ways that Jonah represents the Savior and points our mind to him. And this is the first one that we see. Remember the story in the New Testament where Christ and the apostles are on the ship and this massive storm comes and the Savior is asleep and they wake him up and say, carest thou not that we perish? Remember that story of the Savior sleeping through that storm? I think that Jonah, as we know, is a type of Christ. I think that this is an interesting little symbol of Christ or an interesting little parallel that we see there with him. Anyway, they wake him up and they're saying, what's going on? Who are you? Why is God punishing us right now? And essentially, Jonah owns it. That's not the work of a coward. Jonah basically says, hey, this is my fault. I'm running from the Lord. He asked me to do something. I'm a Hebrew. I worship the God of the Hebrews. And then he says, which has made the sea and the dry land. So he's like, my God has made all of this. He made the sea. He made the land. And he's the one causing this because I'm the one who ran. And so they're trying to figure out how to make the storm stop, how to help. And they say, what shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? So what are we going to do? And he says, take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that it is my sake that this great tempest is upon you. My friends, are those the words of a scared man? Are those the words of a coward who's afraid to die? No, it's not. Jonah wasn't scared to go to Nineveh because he was scared of death or scared of what the Ninevites might do to him. Because we see here, he's basically asks the sailors to cast him into the sea to kill him at sea in order to save themselves. This is not the action of a man who is scared to die. So the question becomes, why did Jonah not want to go to Nineveh? If he wasn't afraid of death, if he wasn't afraid of being killed by the Ninevites, why did he not want to go to them? My friends, in order to better understand this, I want you to think of someone who you have a really hard time with, someone that you might have a really difficult time forgiving for something that they've done to you. Maybe it's someone who you just struggle to love. Now I want you to imagine that our Heavenly Father asks you very personally to go to that person, the person that you struggle with the very most, and to express to them how much God loves them, to, with heartfelt sincerity, teach them about God's love and his mercy. Now, was there even a tiniest part of you that was like, ooh, that would be hard. Ooh, I don't know if I could do that. Ooh, that would take a lot of effort from me. If for even just a second, there was a small piece of you that was like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Imagine Jonah. Jonah lived at a time and in a place where they were tormented by Nineveh and the Assyrians. Jonah may have lost people that he loved at the hand of Nineveh or the Assyrians. He may have lost his property. 
He may have lost family. He may have lost friends. But at the very least, he lost his peace because of these people. And now all of a sudden, God is saying, Jonah, go to these people. Teach them about me. Teach them how much I love them. Bring them into my kingdom. Let them become part of you. You better believe that there was a part of Jonah that went, ooh, I don't know if I can do that. And that was so at odds with his feelings about the Ninevites and the Assyrians that it caused him to run, to flee. But in this, God teaches us a beautiful principle that forgiveness ultimately belongs to him. He asks us to love and to forgive everyone and to put the rest in his hands. He asked Jonah to go against his very instincts and his very feelings about the people of Nineveh, to love them, to forgive them, to invite them into God's kingdom, and let God deal with the rest. Let God sort out the repentance. Let God sort out the sincerity of the Ninevite people. All he asked from Jonah wasn't judgment. It was love, and it was mercy, and it was forgiveness. And that's the same thing that he asks of us in our relationships with other people. Elder Holland once said, closely related to our own obligation to repent is the generosity of letting others do the same. In this, we participate in the very essence of the atonement of Jesus Christ. We don't want God to remember our sins. So there is something fundamentally wrong in our relentlessly trying to remember others' sins. It is one of those ironies of Godhood that in order to find peace, the offended as well as the offender must engage in the principle of forgiveness. My friends, God asks us to reach out in love to all his children, even the ones that have hurt us, even the ones that have offended us. He asks us to love, to forgive, and then to place everything else, all other judgment in his hands. And it's my testimony that when we're willing to do that, we can find peace that Christ alone can offer. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. 